You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network First of all, thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Remember, Lockdown Wolves is free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube now, as well as Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow this show on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves and at BBeacon with two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. Happy Thursday, everybody. And uh, happy only one more day till another Timberwolves preseason game. Monday was so good, and I know it's preseason but we have to look forward to, to game number two on Friday night. Today, I want to hit some practice notes that came out after training camp on Wednesday. Um, what the what Chris Finch talked about mostly, a couple of other interesting notes. And then I want to launch into uh, Zach Lowe of ESPN does his annual NBA tiers where he ranks all the teams in the NBA by tier. Um, and I think it's a more helpful exercise than simply power rankings. Obviously, Zach Lowe is a, is a columnist. He's a little bit more thoughtful than some of the power rankings you'll find out there. Um, so that's interesting. I want to hit on that. And then also our friend Chad Ford, of course, at the Chad Ford's NBA Big Board uh, podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. He did his future talent rankings recently on his website. So I want to go through where the Wolves rank in his, uh, this, it's basically, it's not, you know, a this year power ranking. ESPN did this a while back as well. It's, it's basically looking ahead at the future, which teams have the most talent on the roster. So we'll start with the training camp stuff. Uh, first of all, this is just an interesting note. Um, John Krasinski, of course, of The Athletic, tweeted that Zarko Durasic was there that name sounds familiar. It's because we talked about him here on the show two, three weeks ago as one of the reasons, uh, maybe not a direct reason, but one of the kind of uh, the um, the items that piled up le- eventually led to Gerson Rosas's firing was Zarko Durisic's, uh departure, which happened roughly a year ago is what it sounds like. Long story short, uh, based on this was also reporting by John Krasinski at The Athletic in uh, the post-Rosas firing article. He talked about how Durisic's contract was up last offseason. He asked for um, a raise. The Timberwolves said no. They basically kind of unceremoniously let him go, um, allowed his contract to expire, did not make an effort to keep him. And he'd been with the team since it'd been over 20 years. It was like right around the turn of the century is when Durisic was with the team. He's primarily European scout. And he hasn't been with the team now for several months. This was one of the, you know, the Ryan Saunders getting fired in New York after the game, being allowed to travel with the team and then being fired on the road, the handling of that situation, some of the other personnel type things just kind of added up. And then obviously there was apparently some other inter office, the way that Rosas was, was handling things, treating people, et cetera. And then obviously the uh, inappropriate, uh, the inappropriate relationship that he had with, with an employee of the Timberwolves. Um, that was kind of the tipping point, right? That completely tipped the scales to say ownership said, hey, we got to get this thing done now. We got to fire Rosas. But the Durasich thing was kind of listed as one of the first signs that like, hey, things aren't all hunky-dory in Timberwolves land and Rosas isn't handling everything well. So Durasich is now kind of hilariously back at practice now that Sashin Gupta is in charge, which is, it's it's funny. Um, and, and good for good for Zarko, good for Gupta, good for the Timberwolves for the way that they handled this now, obviously, um, and allowing him to come back and and awesome that he was, uh, you know, willing to come back apparently, um, assuming he's not just visiting practice for some reason, but um, it sounds like he's back with the Timberwolves. So uh, that's... Uh, entertaining and good news. Um, also a quote that was uh, transcribed by Dave Moore on Twitter. He says that Chris Finch, well, I guess it's not a quote, it's a note 
of, about something that Finch said. Uh, Finch said post-practice that we'll see D'Angelo Russell on the ball offensively two-thirds of the time and off the ball one-third of the time, somewhere between that and 50-50. So I've talked in the show quite a bit about D'Angelo Russell's ability to play off the ball is is really attractive. And that's one of the reasons why Patrick Beverly is more than simply the backup point guard and also why D'Lo and Anthony Edwards work together. Also why D'Angelo Russell and Ben Simmons would work together, by the way, if somehow they got that trade done without trading D'Lo. Unlikely, but you never know. And also why it was worth it to bring back Jordan McLaughlin, who right now I talked last, uh, maybe it was Monday, about the Timberwolves rotation and, you know, Torian Prince and Josh Okogie and, and Leandro Ball Morrow are going to be fighting for the nine and 10 spots in the rotation. McLaughlin's like 11 or 12 in the rotation, right? But the reason why he's important is uh, D'Lo and Beverly are going to play together some, especially in crunch time. And uh, if one of those guys gets hurt, one of them gets into foul trouble, Jordan McLaughlin's going to see minutes. Now, obviously, he came off the bench a lot earlier, second quarter, maybe even late first quarter in the preseason opener on Monday. I don't think he's in the top 10 in the rotation normally, but he'll find his way on the floor if there's foul trouble, if there's injuries, et cetera. Um, but at any rate, Finch saying that D'Lo is going to play on the ball two-thirds of the time and off the ball a third. Obviously, that's a rough estimate. But this is what I think we'll see. We'll see a lot of D'Lo off the ball early in the game, or certainly middle stages of the game, and then some D'Lo initiating offense late in the game. At the same time, I think Anthony Edwards, if he if his decision-making proves to be up to snuff, him operating in the half court as, as, as the person initiating the offense late in games, it's so much more dangerous because then D'Lo becomes your spot-up shooter at you know, 38, 39% from outside the arc instead of Edwards at 34%. And Edwards going downhill to the basket is a thousand times scarier than D'Angelo Russell, who doesn't really want to get into the paint. And yes, D'Lo can score in isolation. He could pull up and shoot mid-range jumpers. He's got a good floater game, um, you know, in, or not really as much a floater game as, as he does a, a pull-up jumper game from 10 to 15 feet. Um, so... But but still, I think Edwards with the ball in his hands in crunch time, when teams are tired and they're fouling and they're in the bonus, that's a lot scarier than D'Angelo Russell. So you're going to see D'Lo maybe really early in the game, end of quarter situations, some crunch time possessions on the ball. But I think late in games, he's off the ball. Patrick Beverly may be off the ball as well. So you've got a couple of additional ball handlers who are really point guards playing off the ball and Edwards initiating offense. It allows you to have a defender like Beverly on the floor, somebody with size like Edwards on the floor. But at the same time... Um, it doesn't box you into what you're able to do offensively. Uh, you can you can have any three of those, any one of those three guys initiate offense, and obviously Carl Anthony Towns could as well. So, um, you know, this isn't a surprise. Obviously, Finch and his staff have been talking about this for weeks and months. Um, but seeing D'Lo off the ball, I think late in the game, and, I, and I'm of course making that leap, right? That this is what's going to happen late in the game. I think that's far more likely. D'Lo's initiating offense very early. Edwards late in the game um, it, with D'Lo as an option as well. Um, one other quick note here off the top. This is something I neglected to mention the other day. There was an article on ESPN about uh, Supermax eligible players, potentially based on the season. One of the players mentioned is Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, this is this is completely shifting gears, but I wanted to throw this out there. Uh, Towns, of course, already has one All-NBA season. That was back in 2018. That was the Jimmy Butler year. He made All-NBA third team. And that was another season in which he played 82 games. I think his first four seasons in the league, he played all 82 games. Maybe one year he played 81 of 82 um, but then the last two years, he's missed 51 total games combined between the last two seasons and hasn't, of course, made All-NBA. He hasn't made the All-Star team. I guess he did the year after that, um, but he hasn't made the All-Star or excuse me, the All-NBA since then. If he does make All-NBA this year, that then he immediately becomes eligible for a four-year Supermax extension that would go into effect in 24-25. Um, so we don't know exactly what that's going to be, but it's probably a $200 million deal, honestly, over over the course of four years. So, you know, over $50 million a year. So Towns would have to make All-NBA. 
in my opinion, the Wolves probably have to be a playoff team for that to happen. Uh, I just don't think you can get considered in the top 15 if your team doesn't make the playoffs. I, I'm not saying that it's impossible, but the way that this award is voted for, I think it's pretty unlikely that that he would still make All-NBA if the Wolves don't make the playoffs. So something to think about this year. File that away. Cat's got an incentive to, you know, improve defensively to help, obviously, to help his team get into the playoffs for more than one reason. Um, ultimately, this is one of the few cases where improved defense could lead to him getting paid more individually down the road because if he improves on defense, the Timberwolves improve on defense, they win more games, they make the playoffs, he's got a shot at All-NBA. If his offensive numbers stay the same and he stays healthy, I still don't think he makes All-NBA if the Wolves don't make the playoffs. Uh, you know, fair or unfair, um, and I think at that point, we'd have to look at the possibility that it is fair. Uh, if Towns puts up, you know, insane, you know, 26, 12, and five or 26, 12, and four with 41% from outside the arc or something like that, you know, if he sniffs a... a uh, you know, a, 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 a 40, 50, 90 season or something like that, which is possible. Um, I mean, it, but the Wolves don't make the playoffs like that. I mean, that's, that's the only way I think is if he's a 50, 40, 97 footer is, and maybe he still makes all NBA if they don't make the playoffs. But at any rate, there's another reason why it's in town's best interest to improve defensively to help his team to get to the playoffs as if he wasn't incentivized enough already, but there's just another layer. All right. Uh, next, I want to talk about the Zach Lowe tears over at ESPN first though. Let's talk about sweat block. There's a few things in life that are simply not fun to talk about. One of them is excessive sweating. You know exactly what I mean. When you sweat through your shirts for no reason, it's absolutely embarrassing. I've dealt with this in the past. Not anymore. I'll tell you why in a second. You know, public speaking, it could be an interview, an important speech. Uh, but if you don't want to worry about it, just use Sweatblock antiperspirant wipes. That's what I do now. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply them at night before bedtime, go to bed. The next morning you wake up, wash, go about your day without worrying about sweat. Guaranteed. I know this sounds too good to be true, but I literally only have to use Sweatblock once or maybe twice a week, max. It keeps me dry the entire time. No more pitting out, no more picking my shirts based on which one might hide sweat better. Sweatblock is doctor recommended and doctor created. It works for up to seven days per use and comes with a dry shirt guarantee. If Sweatblock does not keep you dry, you get your money back. It's been featured and tested on the Rachel Ray Show by firefighters. And it's been a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years. It is currently number one in Amazon's antiperspirant category. Seriously, wear whatever you want to wear. It's your little secret to confidence. It's a must have for everyone's toiletry bag. If it's a big presentation, a first date, an interview, an important speech, whatever it might be, you have to use Sweatblock antiperspirant wipes. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on or at Amazon or CVS. But again, sweatblock.com, promo code locked on, you get 20% off. Again, sweatblock.com, promo code locked on for 20% off today. All right, uh, let's go ahead and jump into Zach Lowe's NBA tiers. Um, so, Basically, uh, the premise of this, it's, it's pretty obvious, is that 12th year in a row, apparently, he's done it. Um, he breaks down the tiers, uh, or breaks down the entire league by tiers. He says the order within tiers does not matter, although in the Wolves tier, by the way, he he does actually uh, um, give some reasoning there. So tier one of tier of their own one is the Nets. Tier of their own two is the Bucks. Obviously, the Bucks won the title. The Nets, if Kyrie Irving, depending on what he plays, obviously with Kevin Durant, James Harden, it makes sense that they'd be up there with the Bucks. Those are the top two teams. Then he has an above the play-in fray in the West. So basically shoe-in playoff teams, the Lakers, Suns, and Jazz. I would agree with all that. In fact, I'd maybe put the Nuggets in that list as well, in that category. In the East, he has a list of four teams and says one of them will fall in the play-in race. That's the Hawks, Celtics, Heat, and Sixers. 
I get that too. I, I don't even know that I would put the Hawks quite that high. I know they went to the conference finals last year, but I understand it. In the West, he calls this the West uh, morass or morass, I guess. I don't know. Nope, morass. Five teams, three spots above the play-in. The Nuggets, Clippers, Blazers, Mavs, and Warriors. Um, of those five, he's saying three of them will not be in the play-in. Two of them will fall into the play-in. Nuggets, Clippers, Blazers, Mavs, Warriors. Um, in my mind, I, I, you know, I, I think the the Nuggets, uh, Clippers, the Nuggets and Clippers are really the only two safe ones there for me. I put them with the other three that he mentioned. That's five teams, right? After that, Portland, Dallas, Golden State. I probably actually would put Golden State ahead of both Portland and Dallas, and then probably Dallas. I, I think Portland ends up in the play-in, in my opinion. Um, and then after that, he gets into the threats to escape the play-in in the East, the Knicks, Bulls, Hornets, Grizzlies. I guess not just the East, because he's got the Grizzlies in there. Um, so this is the varsity division, as he calls it, threats to escape the play-in, Knicks, Bulls, Hornets, Grizzlies. Then he goes East play-in candidates, junior varsity, Pacers, Wizards, Raptors, Finally, he gets to West play-in candidates, junior varsity. So these are the next tier of teams that could break into the play-in. He says at least one of these four will make it, and possibly two. He's got the Pelicans, Kings, Timberwolves, and Spurs. Then he says he would tentatively rank them in this order, although he flip-flopped the Kings and Wolves several times. So he's got Pelicans, Kings, Timberwolves, Spurs in that order, although he could go either way on Kings, Timberwolves. So a couple things. First of all... Um, I still, and he actually, I like Zach Lowe a lot. And I think generally what he says here is fair, but he says Sacramento probably has more top to bottom talent than Minnesota, even if it is, even a lot, even, excuse me, even if a lot of it is tied up in centers and smaller guards. Um, I disagree with that. I, I don't think, you know, and, and I said this the other day on the show, actually, the Timberwolves have at least two players that are better than the King's best player. Um, I, I think that Carl Anthony Towns and, and, the improved version of Anthony Edwards are both better than Darren Fox. And you can make the argument that D'Angelo Russell is as well. I don't know that I would, but you can. Um, and I'd rather have Malik Beasley than Buddy Heald. Uh, you know, there's there's obviously, you know, Bagley and, and Tyrese Halberton, and there's certainly talent in Sacramento. I just think one through 12, the Timberwolves have a better roster. Um, he goes on to say, Zach goes on to say, the Wolves offense took off once Chris Finch took over. D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, and Carl Anthony Towns could finally play together. Their defense remained atrocious. Every potential fix comes at the extreme cost of shooting. As discussed, the Wolves are lacking in two-way guys. But Finch has more choices than he did a year ago, and several young guys should be on the upswing. More than anything, my cautious optimism is about Towns. If he is to emerge as a top 10-ish player, it's going to happen now. So let's let's pull this apart quick. I already disagreed with the Kings premise. Um, he says that every potential fix of defense comes at the extreme cost of shooting. This is a hundred percent true, you know, without, without obviously improvement by individual players. And that's, that's what the wolves are going to have to bank on, but it's true. Um, you know, Beverly is the first guy who can be a plus on offense. That is also a very big plus on defense that they've had in a while. Josh Okogie an all defense, no offense guy. Jaden McDaniels didn't provide much offense as a rookie and probably isn't quite there yet offensively, but he's very good defensively. Jared Vanderbilt, um, can play his role well offensively, but he's a defensive rebounding guy. And their best offensive players, Towns, Beasley, Edwards, Russell, have all been poor defenders. Now, I'd put Towns more in the average category. I think he still gets dragged a little bit too much for his his defensive deficiencies, simply because he needs to be better, obviously, but he's not a horrible defender. Um, and but But Russell, Beasley, and Edwards were all very below average last year, far below average, some of the worst in the league at their positions. Um, now, Beasley showed some signs of improving, and Edwards obviously threw one preseason game, 
as has Russell, have both showed signs of improving. But Russell's got a track record now of, of what, five years of not playing defense. And um, Edwards has one season of it. So, you know, we give Edwards a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt in the sense that he should be able to turn the ship around a lot quicker and easier than D'Angelo Russell. Russell hasn't tried very hard on defense the last couple of seasons, certainly in Golden State and Minnesota. Flipping that switch may not be as easy as as the Timberwolves hope that it is. But if you if we presume that Russell can be slightly below average instead of awful, if Edwards can be average and Towns can be average defensively, you add a Beverly to the mix, you keep in a Kogi, you give Vanderbilt more minutes, and suddenly we're looking at a much better defensive team. So yeah, well, there's not two-way guys. If you can develop Edwards into one and you get Russell and Beasley closer to average, talked about this the other day taking anything from awful to average has essentially the same impact as average to great. And if the Wolves take their awful defenders, of which they have had many over the past couple of years, and bring them closer to average, uh, because again, Edwards has the tools to be a good defender. Um, Towns has the tools to be a good defender. Russell, you know, he's got size and anticipation. That's about it. He's not ultra athletic or quick laterally or anything like that. But he should be a a decently below average defender. defender, right? Even if he's not outstanding, he should be able to bring himself closer to average. So if they can make some incremental improvements there, that's going to make a big difference. Um, And then, you know, uh, Lowe's right. Uh, There's several young guys on the upswing. And then he says, if Towns is going to be a top 10 player, it's going to happen now. hundred percent. And he's got the talent to do it. We all know that. And if he becomes again, an average defender this year and stays healthy, he will be in the top 10 and all the player rank lists next year. He'll be an all NBA, probably second team guy. If the Wolves make the playoffs, he just has to improve a little bit defensively and stay on the floor. The Wolves need to make the playoffs and all those things are related. Of course, if the Wolves make the playoffs, it means that town stayed healthy and played well. Town stays healthy and plays well. The Wolves will be in the playoffs. Uh, I I think that it absolutely goes both ways. Okay. So related to this is Chad Ford's future talent rankings. I want to get to that next. Um, And this is, uh, this is pretty fascinating in my mind. I think he does a better job than the ESPN future talent rankings from a couple of weeks ago. So we'll get into that here in just a second. First though, Let's talk about our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time. I promise you that. It tastes exactly like a candy bar. If you're a protein bar person and have not had a Built Bar, you're making a big mistake. Um, I wasn't a protein bar person, but I am now. Actually, I wouldn't describe myself as a protein bar person. I'll describe myself as a Built Bar person. They're phenomenal. Coconut, mint brownie, salted caramel, cookies and cream, anything with coconut, anything with brownie. Um, if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box. You'll get two of each of the nine main flavors. Not only do they taste delicious, but they're fantastically healthy for you. Check out the macros, 17 to 18 grams of protein per bar, calories ranging from only 130 to 180 calories per bar, only four to five grams of sugar and just four to five grams net carbs. Also, Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. You get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Let's also talk about bet online. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are now on the gridiron. Teams are back on the field for another football season. As always, bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, bet online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code locked on to receive your bonus. From football to basketball, boxing, right on down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Again, that's promo code lockdown. You get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. 
Okay, let's go ahead and get into the uh, the Chad Ford future talent rankings. So, of course, Chad is the host of, of course, longtime ESPN uh, college basketball guy uh, or NBA draft guy, I should say. He is the host of the Chad Ford's Big Board Podcast, NBA Big Board Podcast, here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Um, he also has a website, nbabigboard.com, and he's been writing, and this was uh, about a week ago now, he wrote Future Talent Rankings, NBA's 10 Best Young Teams. So I'll kind of go down the list. It his um, I think his methodology is solid. It's a little bit hard to just kind of read through and explain, but basically he asked a bunch of NBA GMs and scouts to rate each player under 25 in a one to five tier system. Then he used analytics models, uh, a couple different analytics models to rate each player into five tiers. Third for rookies, he used the draft tier system he used before the draft. And then he basically assigns a grade to each player based on how they graded out from each of these categories. So a lot of information it makes sense. Um, I, I I think the methodology is certainly a little more measured and well thought out than I think what we saw over at ESPN. Um, so he's got number one, the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, the obvious, you know, top flight guys here are uh, you know under twenty five. Trey Young and John Collins are the headliners. They've got solid guys like Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, especially Hunter, um, that aren't far behind. The Celtics are number two, of course, led by Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, Jason Tatum, by the way, is tier one, and Jalen Brown's a tier two player. Um, and they've actually only got one tier three player, Robert Williams III. Uh, the Cavs are tied for third with the Orlando Magic. The Magic surprised me a little bit. Um, he's got Jalen Suggs as tier 2.5 and their highest ranked player. They just have so much depth in terms of young talent. They're such a young roster. And that's the, really the primary reason that they're tied for third. He's got the uh, the Pistons tied for fifth then. Um, and nobody above a tier three for the Pistons. Sadiq Bey is a tier three and nobody else is tier three or above. Uh, Killian Hayes, by the way, is tier four. The Grizzlies are tied with them. I was surprised the Grizzlies were this low. He's got John Morant as tier two, but only one tier three player, and that's Jaron Jackson Jr., which I'm surprised he's not a tier two. I guess he only played 11 games last year, and that's probably why. The Pelicans are also tied. Then the Thunder are alone, in, or excuse me, the Thunder are tied with the Timberwolves at number eight on this list. He's got Shea Gilgis-Alexander as a tier two player. Nobody in tier three at all for the Thunder and a bunch of tier four and five guys. So with that context, the Timberwolves are tied with the Thunder for eighth. And the Wolves have Anthony Edwards as a tier two player. Malik Beasley as tier three, which crazy that he's still on like the, the young list, the 25 and under. So Edwards at tier two, Beasley at three, and then a bunch of four. Uh, tier four guys, Jade McDaniels, Leandro Balmaro at tier four, Nas Reed at tier four, Josh Kogi still tier four. And then he's got Jalen Noel and Jared Vanderbilt both in tier five. Um, I'll read what he says here. Uh, Chad says the disarray in Minnesota's front office has made headlines lately, but the team's young core is solid. If we had included Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell, who both just missed the age cutoff here, the Wolves would have ranked number two. Think about that. Um, I think that's notable. Of the eight prospects under 25, Edwards, like last year's number one overall pick, is the great hope. If he shows the same kind of progress we saw in the second half of his rookie season, the tier two designation will be justified. McDaniels has the talent to crack tier three, as does Balmaro, who should have a greater impact than the typical rookie given his strong play in Spain last season. Um, and then he goes on to say the Wolves have been trying to find a way to trade for Ben Simmons. Um, Edwards is the only untouchable player on the list. And then he says, with a young Towns Edwards Simmons trio on the floor, the Wolves would have a chance to be special. A chance to be special. So, of course, he obviously assumes that probably D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley both end up traded in, in that sort of a scenario. Um, but ranking the Wolves tied for eighth, I was surprised that they were this low. But again, if D'Lo and Towns are included, they rank second. Um, and that would put them ahead of 
Memphis, everybody's slotting Memphis ahead of the Timberwolves, right? In in uh, power rankings and in the tiers, as I just talked about, Zach Lowe over at ESPN had them uh, there. They would have been ahead of the Pelicans, who are often ranked ahead of the Timberwolves in these types of rankings. Um, so if you include D'Lo and Towns, that changes things quite a bit. It puts them it would actually put them ahead of the Celtics on a list like this because Towns would undoubtedly be tier one and uh, uh, D'Angelo Russell would probably be three if I had to guess, maybe two. Um, but at any rate, super interesting and a really, really great methodology that Chad Ford used. So go check that out at nbabigboard.com. I think it's a, a really interesting way to to look at, at uh, where the Wolves rank compared to other young teams in the league. And I also thought related to the Wolves, it was interesting that he had... Uh, that he had, I mean, I guess he says Balmaro could be tier three and so could McDaniels, but both those guys in four, which is the same tier as Nas Reed and Josh Okoge. And that's how good Okoge is defensively. He's one of the wor- league's worst offensive players last year, but he's uh, the promise that he has defensively and, and what he can do now defensively is is so well thought of. That's why he was in tier four here. Because remember, this isn't just Chad, you know, willy-nilly ranking guys. This is him plus NBA GMs and scouts. And, uh, you know, that all kind of factored into his formula here. So um, later this week, I want to talk about Chad Ford also did top 25 under 25. We talked about the fan-sided version of that last week. And and I thought that they kind of, they messed up by putting Anthony Edwards, I think at 28 or 29 outside of the top 25, obviously. Um, Chad Ford, spoiler, has him in the top 25 pretty solidly in the middle. So I want to talk about his top 25 under 25 ranking. That'll probably be tomorrow's show on Friday. Um, and then, uh, you know, break that down a little further. We'll also peek ahead at the preseason game Friday night and, uh, you know, look ahead to, uh, to the next week as well. And as training camp kind of nears the midway point here and we close in on what, I guess, less than two weeks now till the regular season opener. Um, so that all that's upcoming. I thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. And a reminder that you can find this show everywhere. That includes YouTube. And it also includes Apple, Google, Spotify, the all new Odyssey app. And you can follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. That's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. And at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Um, otherwise, that's all I have for you today here on the show. Thanks once again for listening to Locked On Wolves. Of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember the local network. The Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves Podcast, and we'll catch you next time.